this is Josh, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. A friend of mine shared a beautiful story with me this week. She was at the bedside of a man who was about to pass in to a greater reality with Jesus. He was in the final processes of dying. And while there with him, he looked up at his wife and with his final words, he said to her, we sure had a blast. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? They've been married 65 years, 65 years, and the last words that he wanted to say to her was, man, that was fun. I love this. And I don't know anything else about their marriage. I don't know anything about him other than that they were married for 65 years and that he thought it was awesome, and already I can't wait to meet him in heaven. And as our lives move towards that ultimate finish line that all of us face, I'm pretty sure that you've thought about it in some way or another. What will your final words be? What will your final gestures be? Will you even get to decide? Or will death just come? It's normal to think about these things. It's not a bad thing at all. In fact, Jesus today in our gospel is doing just that. He has some final words that he wants to give to his disciples at the end He knows that his time to ascend to the Father is just around the corner. And he wants to tell them what to do. And best of all, most importantly of all, how to have a really great life. That's what we're reading in the gospel today. And maybe you didn't even hear that part as Deacon Mary read these these verses to us. But here it is in these few verses, the secret of having a great life. To flourish as a person. A way to get to the end and look back and not be filled with regret or remorse, but with the realization of, wow, that was super fun. That's what's become called the Great Commission. Jesus' final words as recorded by Matthew. So let's take a few minutes and look at these words. And if you aren't already, if you want to follow along with me in your bulletin, Uh, Looking at the gospel, I'd love for you to do so. The Great Commission is what we've titled this section, and it's typically referring to this one sentence right in the middle of today's gospel reading. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded to you. That's what's commonly referred to as the Great Commission. But before we get to that, I want to note something very important, something that you may not have noticed before, that right before he says this, there is really a great affirmation. And right after he says the commission, he has a great promise. So it really goes great affirmation, great commission, great promise. And that's what I want to look at today. You may have never heard of that before, but good news, you're here. The great affirmation begins when Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given 
given to me. Now, I hope that right off the bat you realize what a staggering claim that is. Because when you think about Matthew writing this gospel about a generation or so after the crucifixion of Jesus, here he is quoting a man who was crucified as a state criminal by the Roman authorities who is now claiming that Caesar himself will bend the knee to Jesus. That he's not just Lord of the church, but he's Lord of history, that he's Lord of all governments, that he's Lord of all nations, that he is Lord of the universe. That is that affirmation. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's what he's saying. And in fact, it is this statement that early Christians confessed just prior to their baptism when they said that Jesus is Lord. What they're saying is all authority has been given in, in heaven and earth to him, and so that's the guy I want to follow. It's more than just a personal statement. It's more than just a political statement. It's this cosmic statement of supreme and universal, undeniable lordship. And the Great Commission flows from this great affirmation because it is Jesus Christ, this crucified Jew, who is Lord of the nations. And his followers, his disciples, have this mission to go to the nations because all authority has been given to Jesus. So notice the very next words. Because of this great affirmation, therefore, because of what I just said, Jesus says, now, because of that, there is this great commission I'm going to give you. But this is a little confusing because both the version you have and the version that's in most of our Bibles say, Therefore, go, or go, therefore. But in fact, when you look at this in the original language, that's not a verb. Now, verb, go is a verb in our language. I get it. But in the original language, that wasn't a verb in the sentence. In fact, the only verb in the Great Commission is to make disciples. That's the only verb in that sentence. And so our English translations have misled us a little bit. What it actually reads like in the literal Greek is, therefore, as you are going, make disciples of all nations. That is, as you're doing life, verb, make disciples of the folks that you're around. So the emphasis here is not on going so much as as you're having a blast of a life. Make some disciples. Now, parents and grandparents, folks with kids, you totally get this. Because it's always when you're in the car somewhere going from point A to point B that one of the kids from their car seat will say, Hey, Mom or Dad, who's God? And you're like, Whoa, I'm thinking about our public's grocery list. Wait a minute, God, where are you coming from? Or right before bed, when you want them to go to sleep, they'll say, Dad, who's the Holy Spirit? And you're like, Oh, really? Now? Seriously? But that's the going. That's as you are doing life, as you are going from A to B to C to the bank to the whatever, Jesus says, make disciples. And the 11 who heard Jesus here today in this passage, they were all Jews who had left their job, everything that they had owned, and they attached themselves to this man, to a princess under him. 
And they knew that that's what it meant to be a disciple, to be a, an apprentice, to be a student, to be a follower. And to them, Jesus now says, just as you have apprenticed yourself to me and learned from, the, learned from me over the past three years, so I now send you to the non-Jews and invite them to do the same. <coughs> and if you were listening to Jesus and you were in that crowd, you would have very naturally asked, um, how? What are we talking about here? And so he tells them. He says, first, by baptizing. Baptizing folks into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately for us, because baptism is something so common in our life as a church, we miss the implications of it. So I just want to explain very quickly here what baptism meant in the ancient world. It was not a small thing. It was not something that you wore this uh, beautiful gown to that was passed down by your grandparents. No, in the ancient world, when you were baptized, it meant to come under the name of someone else. In fact, you were now pledging your allegiance to that person. In fact, you had sort of surrendered your ownership to them. You became, in a sense, their property. So to be baptized in the name of the triune God meant now that your supreme loyalty was no longer to your biological family, to your culture, to your ethnic group, to your nation's state, but instead to this triune God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is who you belong to when you are baptized. This is where that word discipleship begins. And sometimes we get confused with that. We say, well, I'm an American. That's great, but if you're baptized, that's second, maybe third, maybe fourth. It's down the list, because when you're baptized, you are owned, you have been pledged to someone else, someone better, someone flawless. And as much as I may love our country, it's not flawless. <laughs> but our God is. So that's a good promise. Make that promise. Now, baptism was also a corporate event. Not an individual one. It's why we don't do individual baptisms. We do them together as a church. You're baptized into this community because we profess that triune God. And it's in the context of that community that people also learn what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. So discipleship isn't something that we learn in solitude. Discipleship isn't, to be a disciple isn't something you can just do by reading a book, reading the Bible, reading about Jesus. You can't do it individualistically. You've got to do it together with other people in the community of the baptized. And so he tells them, as you're going, making disciples, you baptize them, and after you have baptized them, that is you all been pledged to me, he then says, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Teach them everything that I have commanded you. Now, if I was there, if you were there, the power of that moment might have been overwhelming. You might have said, everything that you commanded, what, what is that? Remind me, Jesus, what this was. And of course, it was entire, his entire life of teaching. The other disciples would have reminded you that you're supposed to love your enemies, not hate them. Not just loving your personal enemies, but loving your ethnic and national enemies. Seeking the best for those who oppose you, for those who curse you. Jesus also talked about sharing possessions with the poor and the underprivileged. Seeking for others that which we seek for ourselves. Jesus said... 
almost impossibly. That if someone sins against you, don't gossip about it, don't talk about it with your family, but instead go to them, talk to them face to face, confront them. And if they're quick to repent, then it's over. But if they're not, get somebody else to come alongside of you. If only we did this. <laughs> Jesus defined discipleship, this living of a life with him, this obeying of him and following his words as something that we do together. So this isn't about picking or choosing the parts of the message of Jesus or the ministry of Jesus that you like or that you find convenient to obey. Like, oh, I can do that bit. He's not talking about making your priorities in your religious life. Instead, he comprehensively says this, obey everything I've taught you. How's that going? Because he expects his church to go out into the world and proclaim the good news to everybody we see and engage with because he is already doing that. He is constantly making peacemaking initiatives between people, and so we should be engaged in those same activities. He's constantly pursuing justice for the poor and the oppressed, and so we should be doing the same thing. He is constantly engaging those who have needs by caring for them and seeking to love the persecuted, blessing them, not cursing them, helping folks find faith. And so we do the same because he's already doing it and we're just following him. We join him in all of that anywhere at any time as we are going. And this is the very holistic understanding of the church's engagement with the world that he wants us to remember today. And if we aren't eager to discover what Jesus is teaching about in the world and around us and through us, then why would anybody want to be a disciple, honestly? If it's not exciting to us to find Jesus at work in the world, I can promise you, no one else is going to be excited to come with you. So now we come to the last piece of this, the great promise, where Jesus says, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus promises his empowering spirit, his very presence to the church, to his people as we follow him. It's not a promise that we can just take out of context, by the way. You can't just apply it to any situation and say, oh, well, wherever I'm at, Jesus is with me. It's only a promise that we can proclaim as we obey him, as we are his disciples, as we are inviting other people to come on this incredible journey with us. A great affirmation, a great commission, and a great promise. That's what we have in these few verses here in Jesus' words. Let me tell you a story of a way that I encountered that idea, all of that, the affirmation, the commission, and the promise being lived out here at Grace just this last week, where I saw God making this happen in real time with real disciples who were looking to care for and join him as he cared for his world. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Grace is a particularly busy time uh, in May. We have a busy time in May here at Grace. We have lots of year-end wrap-up stuff with the school and with the VP Gay graduations and a lot of recitals from the Grace School of the Arts students. And uh, I and the vestry and hopefully y'all see all of those things as outreaches of the church because, in fact, they are. 
But if you're not convinced of that, let me show you what I mean. At one of our big recitals a couple weeks ago, there was a grandma who came to hear one of her, uh, grand, her grandson play a piece, which is pretty common for grandparents to do. Maybe you were at some of these things. I know I have been at many recitals. But she was so impressed by what she saw at this recital, not just with the students' talents, but more importantly with the Christ-centered nature of our recitals and the level of care and discipleship going into the students, that she pulled Josh aside and wanted him to know that she was very blessed by the joy that she saw so evident in this recital. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of recitals. They're boring. <laughs> They're terrible. The kids are trying so hard, you've got to be there, but uh, let's just hurry this thing up. And instead, we have, in this instance, a grandma who is coming, coming to us saying she's so impressed by the discipleship that she sees of her grandson in this community that she wants the girls that she works with in the ministry that she works with to begin to take lessons with our School of the Arts. She is, in fact, the director of Hands of Mercy Everywhere, this Christian group here in town, which, is, uh, which care for teen moms and their children. Apparently, some money had been given to her for extracurricular activities for the girls. And she wanted to use that money with our School of the Arts so these teen moms could come and flourish and be discipled. Now, there were some issues. They, uh, they don't have instruments either to bring or to play at the home. Josh very widely, wisely said, don't worry, we'll make this work. I love that because we don't have any instruments. <laughs> but we'll figure it out, whatever. So six moms signed up, four came because two got cold feet. One of the girls, 15 years old, brought her two-month-old baby with her. Josh was working with a girl who's from Guatemala who doesn't even speak English. He's only been in the U.S. just a short while. And they were using the piano to communicate to each other. And there's this beautiful moment of this young girl from another country who's had a very traumatic life already at 15 years old with this huge smile on her face as Josh teaches her to play nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is discipleship. The lesson ends and the girls are all noticeably different. Christ was present. They had gained confidence as young women and now they wanted to practice more. So Josh found an old keyboard that we had here and he shoved it in their 15 passenger van so they could take it home and now, they, now they're coming regularly being discipled by our school of the arts now it's kind of dramatic but you can do this too God has amazing success in store for each of you he's affirmed who he is and what he thinks of you and so he's called you to make disciples through baptism and through teaching and he's promised that he'll be with you through it all, all the way to the end, just as you were going and doing life. And get this. In the midst of all of that, he wants you to have a blast doing it. He wants you to have a blast in your relationships, in your inner life, in your work life, in your community life, in your parenting or grandparenting, in your financial life. He wants you to enjoy all of it. He wants you to do it with him. 
And you don't know when these moments of discipleship are going to happen. But isn't that kind of the fun of it? Isn't that just the cool part? You're just doing life and all of a sudden God's present. You're like, whoa, hey, let's go. Who knows what God's going to do next? Who knows where he'll take you to? I do know this. He will give you opportunity to make disciples this week. If you just open your eyes. That's all he's asking you to do. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Allow yourself to join the work that he's already doing. He doesn't need you. He just wants you to come and to baptize and to teach and in no small way change the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for including us in this mission. We so often have our eyes only open to the things that we're thinking about and we miss this great commission. We miss your affirmation. We miss your promise. So forgive us. Lord, I pray for the next seven days that you would open our eyes and our hearts to see all the places that you're moving and that we would join you. We would be your disciples, not because we have to, not because we're supposed to, but because it is so fun. And that for however many days, months, years we have left, that we would have a blast with you that that would be our testimony. And God, as that happens, I pray that we're changed forever by you. Amen. We're so glad you've been a part of our conversation today. Our prayer is that you will take what you've heard and bring it to the Lord with the question, what would you have me do? find out more about all the good things that are happening on our campus and how you can get involved, feel free to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and then our website, graceocala.org. Go in peace.